And imagine if someone listened to like the first couple of episodes, like these guys take this stuff seriously. And then they downloaded this episode. It's kind of like Harry, you're a wizard now. And that's essentially what this movie is just with assassins and bullets. Were there their balls hanging out of the back? Cause those rats had big balls. Is the dumbest plot point of any movie ever. Cauliflower rice. Your grandparents liked Tanker. You mean it all weaves together in the loom. I don't even know where to go from there. It's going to show up in your face and it's not going to go away. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Smash! Hello and welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies outside the MCU that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person that enjoys talking about hidden gems or just likes to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Roberts. I'm the founder of Off Panel Creations. And with me today, I have Jeremy Parmentier. Hi, I'm Jeremy Parmentier of the Retrovaniacs podcast, Subtastics Band, and uh, the world's worst assassin. And Fergo Mayo. I would be the last one. I'll follow it up. I'm Fergal Amayo. I will create the introduction. Founder of Gotham Nice Comics, resident nerd, uh, all things enjoyable, and really do think this is a great, I'm going to say comic. <laughs> well, we might disagree on that one. So uh, today's movie is 2008's Wanted. Uh, it stars James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman, and Anna Gina Jolie coming off her Kung Fu Panda fame. Uh, directed by Tim Moore, I cannot pronounce his Russian last name. Beka Be- Bamatov. That I guess that's what it is. <laughs> so Russian. This was actually his first American film. And this is me, Wesley Gibson. Nobody like everybody else. I just keep waiting for a lotto ticket out of my boring existence and into a life that means something. Shoot the wings off the flies. You're insane. Insanity is coasting through life in a miserable existence when you have a caged lion locked inside. The fraternity has trained assassins for thousands of years. Every life hangs by a thread. We are that thread. Wanted. Before we jump into the movie, um, guys, how familiar are you with the source material? Well, first off, I will say that Teamer actually has two really cool movies that I would recommend anyone to watch. They are subtitled Night Watch and Day Watch. They are so fresh. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there. I was very familiar. I actually loved this comic book. Um, just as much as I love The Watchmen, I love this book because it was so outlandish, so outrageous, and it was amazing. Uh, before watching this movie, I had never, I did not know this was a comic. Um, I went back and, and picked up, you know, after doing our Constantine episode where everyone's like, yeah, well, it had nothing to do with, it's totally different than the source material or whatever. I went out and I found the wanted trade and I read it kind of while I was watching it. And I don't recommend doing that. Um, so just from the get go, I did not know the comic. Now I do. And I'm still surprised this is a movie based on that comic. It's funny. It's funny you say that, Jeremy. I was the same way. Um, until we picked this movie, I had no idea that this was a comic, except for when, uh, Fergal, you mentioned it during our, um, what episode Kingsman. was that it's one? It's a Kingsman. It's a Miller World It's a Miller World story. It actually all interconnects into the Miller World universe. Exactly. And so I had no idea. And Jeremy, I did the same thing as you. I went out and picked up the trade back for this so I could read it as I was going along. And as a viewing experience, I can start off by saying, do not, I do not recommend that at all. Agreed. So do you guys remember when you saw this movie for the first time? So when it came to theaters, I was like, okay, well, first off, as I said, I've read the book and I'm actually like, the characters are so well thought out. It's a, 
it's the premise is, is is uniquely different, like a villain's version of Watchmen. So the characters I thought were just really unique. And once I thought, oh, this is going to be a great movie, then I go to the movie and I'm like, ah, oh, it's an Angelina Jolie movie. And I got Morgan Freeman in here, and they got you know James McAvoy. So it's, they got great actors, and they just didn't even bother to read the comic book. Maybe the first pet chapter. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to get into that later. But as far as what I you know, do, I remember when I first saw the movie. Yes, it was January 5th, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw this movie. Uh, I think it was on DVD or Blu-ray a long time ago. I do not remember when, where I was, but I had seen the movie beforehand. Uh, and I do remember when I saw this movie, I really just viewed it as another Angelina Jolie action flick. Uh, she was just coming off her Tomb Raider run. Um, and I thought it was going to be more like that. And surprised it was more like that. What do you guys remember about the movie itself before you jumped into this? Obviously, Jeremy, not for you because you haven't seen you didn't see it before this. Um, I, I don't know. I just I thought the movie it was good for what it was, right? I mean, if you if you just didn't bring the title Wanted and you went with a completely different story and just a different title and do whatever you want, it would have been a good movie. So as a standalone movie, it had I mean it was a bit messy, but good, right? Not horrible, but the fact that they based it on something so awesome and they didn't even bother to make that movie that would have been that, I think they it was a missed opportunity. Well, I was going to say, I, you know, while I didn't see this before, I understand exactly what Fergal's saying because uh, for video games, I say this all the time, there are sequels to games that are actually really good games, but because they're not as good as the game that's in that series. My favorite example is uh, Castlevania 64. The, the first Castlevania game for the N64 is one of the worst Castlevania games you'll ever play, but it's not a bad game. If they would have called it anything else, Spooky Castle, it would have been a great game. People would have said, hey, I actually enjoyed this game. It was really interesting. I like this, this, and this. But instead, because you expected something else and then you saw this, you were kind of like, ah, oh, this this isn't this isn't very good. I, I've ruined my experience watching this movie because I did read the trade with it. So I think if I would have not done that, if I would have just watched the movie on its own, I think I would have a better outlook on this movie. Uh, but instead, it's just completely not what I expected, even reading it concurrently with the trade. So we've sort of alluded to the source material a little bit, but Fergal, do you have any sort of background for us on this? Yeah, so this was real. As I said, this was um, this is part of Mark Miller, uh, his Millerverse wanted kick ass the whole the whole nines in that regard. And this is basically what would happen if this if the comic material is is, is a great story, actually won numerous awards, and it was really based on what would happen if supervillains won the world. And actually, fun fact, it was based on some DC supervillains and different characters in the DC universe, and, and some even some Marvel ripoffs. Um, and so you know the idea was that you know this kid is supposed to take over for his dad who was the famous killer um, and that's really what Dobson was, Websley Dobson was supposed to be, the son of the famous killer and so while they got that part right and I think James McAvoy, even in an interview said he was the only one that actually read it, like I think you could tell he read the material but um, that's where it's you know, it's, it's supposed to go off in a completely different direction, there's a, there's a point to it and there's a point in the end and I think that's where the ball got dropped in this movie that's why it's like a hard movie to remake or do things with before we jump into the movie just a quick spoiler warning just a heads up we'll be discussing the plot of this movie what little there is and with that may discuss some elements of the story that might be considered spoilers so consider yourself but i will say if you're worried about it because you like the trade so much and you don't want us to spoil parts of that don't worry about it nothing we're going to talk about is going to talk about the trade at all as the story is 100 (laughs) you're in good hands when it comes to that we might talk a little bit about the trade, about the differences between them, but you're right. If you just watched this movie, you would not be spoiled on the trade, nor if you read the trade, you'd be spoiled on the movie. No, not at all. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. This movie uh, follows Wesley. He's 
a young man. He's a frustrated uh, office worker, and he all of a sudden discovers he's a son of a, of a professional assassin. And this lineage comes with it some superpowers. Um, it's kind of like Harry, you're a wizard now, and that's essentially what this movie is, just with assassins and bullets. <laughs> I've never heard it quite explained that way. Harry, you're a wizard, but rather than a wand, here's a gun and some bullets. Have a great day. That's basically this movie in a nutshell. So let's go into it first. Let's talk about the characters a little bit, because that is where I think it, I want to say it shines, but there are definitely some interesting characters in this movie. I, I only think that Wesley, the main character, has any sort of depth to him. I mean, you, you, he's, we mentioned how it's based loosely on the original trade. Wesley's the, probably the closest for if you only read the first book right only the first comic and then wrote the rest without reading the rest he he keeps that same kind of uh you know he, he he's kind of out on his luck he seems to have a pretty pretty tragic life it's not like super tragic it's just very mundane right it's like girlfriend banging his best friend type situation life yeah i get you it's I an office you. space kind of feel right it, and it's very much that feeling to it but then you know he kind of you know in this this movie specifically he keeps saying he's sorry and then even once he becomes like a better assassin he keeps saying he's sorry right that's like his his gimmick catchphrase he's kind of like this kind of goofy character you kind of like even though he's you know going to eventually become some kind of super assassin you still kind of like him because he's, he's got these like little quirks that you kind of identify with I, I thought he was fine everybody else in this movie i felt like there was you know they, they gave him a note card with several words on it and they gave him no other background and just said ah oh, you know like angelina jolie is basically the other main character i suppose of this movie the fox and she's barely fleshed out if it wasn't for the fact that they had that one like momentary scene where she explains her background there would be nothing to let you know anything about her other than that she's kind of hot and she has a gun right that's it that's all you know about her and that's all you need to know <laughs> well so i think you built that up jeremy i think there's not much we can say beyond that except for the fact that she is hot angelina Jolie in this movie was really hot I, the tattoos were very well i think you had characters like morgan freeman you had a lot of wasted potential right so that's the, you know morgan freeman was supposed to be the professor um if there was anything Thing, but then it just, you know, all the other characters, I don't even think were in the comic, right? If they were supposed to represent characters, I actually think they invented every one of these characters for this movie. As a matter of fact, they did. Um, the rat catcher, all of it. it well, if you look at the, 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 the gang, yes, all the people that are in the gang that are kind of in his training montage, those are one panel or two panels on the source material in the second issue that they've fleshed out into characters, right? And they aren't following the same people. It's not the same same event but you know there's like the butcher guy see he's in there training him how to use knives and then there's the the the, the you know people showing him how to use guns and that guy like so th those characters are there sort of but yeah like the the rat catcher guy which is kind of a high and low point for the movie not in the comic but but probably the coolest thing in the movie to be honest really really interesting guy I, and i and i have to say the one thing that wasn't in the material that i loved was the jump through the uh jump through the thing scene like the whole jump through the building when a guy is breathing bad you know and then the beginning of the movie and they got the assassin he's jumping through the building um and he gets shot at the end like you know because the other guy is trying to kill all the other assassins i thought that was a great probably the best scene of the movie that's in the comic, just a different version of it. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a bit, but actually it's funny. You guys keep talking about Wesley. Uh, Wesley, I viewed him as really being a watered down version of Ed Norton's character in Fight Club. Yeah. You know, he's the, he's narrating it. He's sad and pathetic. He even has a line about Ikea furniture. Um, and then he's supposed to be, and of course, at the very end of the movie, he does that edgy thing where he talks to the audience and breaks the fourth wall. But yeah, he really felt like Ed Norton's character from Fight Club for me. 
now that you say that, that it, that actually makes more sense than Office Space, but it's still the same feel. Um, office Space still fit because it was kind of just making all the, the scenes in the beginning when he's in his office, and his boss is yelling at everything else. It was very much Office Spacey, but yes, then it does have that turn. Also reminded me of uh, Falling Down a little bit, where it's kind of you watch this guy Michael sp- Douglas, yeah, yeah, kind of fall apart, but it's not quite the same. Instead, yeah, instead he loses it and becomes a super assassin, but it's the same same kind of feel to it. It's it was start. Janice and the Stapler that did it. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a stapler right with office space so i watched an interview with uh with millar and he said wesley was supposed to be the dark reflection of spider-man so great power comes great responsibility it's great power you can do whatever you want well, i was going to say that in the trades i can more see that right in the trades especially uh you know after he kind of gets this this ability he he just does all the worst things you can imagine right he has this power and he does all these but in this movie, he uh, Wesley is not that. He doesn't take that that arc. Even he gets his first actual job to kill, and he doesn't take it because he's like, I don't know why I would be killing this guy. What did he do wrong? I'm just doing it because I'm told to. Like that. That's not the route he, that Wesley takes in the trade at no. all. No, and that's what the whole point of it. I think that's where the comic. And I read. I so I didn't actually read the. I only read the, the full on trade. And maybe I missed the scene in the trade. I was rereading that back. Maybe I missed the jump through the building scene. I, I might have. I've been tired lately, but I will tell you that like to your point exactly jeremy there's his complete arc was you know taking him and removing him from all of the moral constructs of society and you know and a lot and that was part of the fraternity secrecy because they could get away with it they controlled the five super villain families controlled the world they got rid of every and any superhero and they basically can do whatever they want yeah the story that the source material is very much a sort of a dark reflection of the watchman instead of being a deconstruction of superheroes it's, it's what if villains took over the world and i felt it was more of like an edgelord version of it the but this movie it's like they they felt like like they didn't read the whole trade they just sort of set himself they're setting him up to be a, a, a hero so he went the hero arc but in the comics he goes very much a villain arc with everything what well, and i think um i so i i bought this i mean at at goodwill i didn't like rush out and find this online i bought it has like a two disc set and a little booklet inside so after i watched this i read the little booklet and it and at least according to the director he decided that he wanted to you know make this movie and this is what he wanted to do based entirely on reading the first issue of this series and the rest wasn't finished yet so he started writing his his like treatment of what he thought this would be based on his Im- impressions of where he thought the story was going to go, which is why it's 100% different. Uh, by the time it was finished, the whole trade was out, and I guess he could have rewritten it, but he didn't. Instead, he just went with what it was, and what we, what we have is is a movie that's completely separate from the source material to the point where all the things that Fergal just said about the five families and other, none of that's in this movie. Not one piece of it is in this movie. No, which would have made, I think, the and this is my point exactly. This is why Watchmen can still spawn off into different remakes. If they would have followed the material, I think you would have had a great follow-on story. You could have gone completely wild on it. And the director, because of the movie, which I, you know, previous to this movie, which is Night Watch and Day Watch, um, which is vampire stories, vampires and you know other bad guys, and just a really cool. I'm not going to go into it, but that's why you know if, if if simply just get that material right, you could have had a great spawn off movie, and I think it would have sold well. I'd have to disagree with you on that one. I think the source material is not a filmable document. I don't think that would have any general appeal. The amount of money it would take to make that thing happen, even with the CGI, I don't think you have an audience for it because it's 
it's not your sort of general audience that is required for you know these large blockbuster movies. I I think it would have been a very interesting television series. Um, in the same way that they made, you know, the, the Watchmen TV series has nothing to do with the, well, not nothing, but a very loose tie to Watchmen. But there's other shows and series that you have time to build up background that that could have worked. But as a movie, you're right. I think it would have been uh, way too much to cram into an hour and a half. And also, again, without a giant uh, budget, uh, unfilmable. There's too much going on there. It goes, uh, even from, honestly, even from the very beginning of the second issue, it kind of goes so crazy uh, as far as what they'd need to do. Uh, I mean, the second issue starts with like that giant um they have other names to refer to him but basically a uh, bizarro superman um is there like ah uh, uh, yeah, dumbwit right dumbwit fuckwit fuckwit is his name right fuckwit. and they call him other things too that are much worse than i'm not going to repeat but the point is he is he is like there's that's from the get-go you're like wait a minute there's this giant kind of disformed superman there's all these other things that go to that background it, it's crazy it totally works for a comic book could work for a series but you'd need to have the time to really build that out i think for a movie it would be too much well, and I think, I don't know, maybe I might disagree with you guys, because remember, Watch, we said the same thing about Watchmen, and I think Watchmen is the exact opposite, and that budget was equally as large. That budget probably, I mean, to translate even the Osterman vision into reality and all the other characters and everything that went with that, that was an expensive movie. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it might have found an audience, and I think today it definitely would find an audience. I think it would, I, I just think it would find an audience based on the current kind of um ip fatigue if you will related to marvel and dc yeah but i think the boys did it better uh we've looking for like the villain arc dark superhero super villain thing the i know we're here to talk about the movie wanted not the source material wanted but i i think jeremy's right on that a, a series might be able to pull it out but i mean it, it looks like it's just if you're actually true to the source material it just feels like it's being edgy for the sake of edgy if that makes sense it does. It does. And I, and I can, I can understand that. And I, I think that maybe a TV show to introduce, maybe and again, I think there's a boys movie coming over the horizon anyway, but to your point, like this particular movie though, um, it's a one shot. I mean, it has to be a one shot. It really, I mean, and that's what left me kind of wanting <laughs> funny play on words left me wanting at the end of the movie. Cause I'm like, okay, he's like killed everybody and he's destroyed the entire organization. What next? So why don't we change gears a little bit and start talking about the special effects for this movie. Um, what do you think? Awesome. Pretty good. I thought they were really good. I thought the slow-mo effects. Team is good at this stuff. I think he did a pretty good job at some of the slow-mo effects. The loom was really cool. The curved bullet was awesome. Um, there were some pretty cool scenes. I thought it was really – one of the things I thought was really interesting was that little – clay thing that everybody healed in like hours i was like is that real can we do that because god bless america let me find one of those i i don't know if that's real or not but i did think that wasn't it was pretty cool it looks like he was covered in wax almost that breaks kind of towards the end that that i liked uh, you know there's a lot of slow-mo and i thought it was done very well this this is very much i don't know I, a lot of movies from the same time frame have this same kind of effect on everything and it works it, it looks well uh, it looks good here it doesn't look really cheap it's not constant um you know but the it, it doesn't have incredible action scenes other than that, right? You need those effects to make these action scenes work for the most part. There aren't, like, really good fighting scenes like when we talked about um, the Kingsman, where they had some really, really good fighting scenes. This is more just, like, really good effects shooting scenes because that's, that's what his skills are. Yes, yes. And I think the, the thing that really kind of strained credulity was, you know, Dizzy, is, is the idea that you get your ass beat enough that you learn how to fight? Well, I wasn't even sure at first, did, did the guns give him the power? I realized it's not, like, by the end of it, I was like, no, they're training him fast. But it's like he gets the gun at first, and it's like, shoot the wings off these flies, which is something that's in the book. And 
And he does, but I was like, how would he do it? He's never fired a gun before. He just fires it. I was like, oh, maybe the gun gives him these powers. But no, no. Instead, they just beat his ass a bunch till he's good, uh, which in real life doesn't work because I'm still not a very good fighter. Well, they said in there that it's due to his his heart rate goes faster than the average person, so we can slow down time mentally and pull it off. They just need the adrenaline kick to make that happen. They did explain that after he shot the wings off the flies. No, I think the training scene, I will get in that a little bit too. You know, I think it should work because I'm trying that with my son right now. So, well, hopefully it turns out well. Oh, are you really training? So I might have to do that. We might have to do the loom. Colin, I need you to do this loom. Grab that pitch. Slow it down. And then we'll grab that pitch. Don't worry about the cuts. Go get you to the emergency room. I'd love that. I think we should try that. But speaking of the special effects, though, it... It reminded me a lot, like Jeremy sort of said it, movies of the time. Um, Matrix had been out for a while by that point, so bullet time was a thing, and many movies had done that, tried that. Even Fight Club did it for one shot for the very beginning. So by that point, it's well-polished. It looks good. I like the special bullets with all the decorations on it and um, carvings, and they look neat. Um, And the idea of curving a bullet, cool idea. Um, And that's one thing I, I can't remember. Was that actually in the comics or not, the curving of the bullets? Um, if I'm not mistaken, and Jeremy, please correct me if I'm wrong, because you obviously recently read it, um, and I haven't had time. Is it is it in the book? I I, I know that there were a lot. The the gun firing skills were incredible. Like I know that he developed this ability from the comic to be able to shoot from almost any direction, upside down, left, right, all around, while screwing all kinds of different things. So this guy became multitask with a gun. Um, but was that was that curved bullet in the comics? No, not not like this. This was this was I mean, because you couldn't I mean, I guess you could. But the the way this was done, it was clearly to show that they can film a cool, slow curving bullet. I mean, it's it's there. The Israeli gun was the best. I don't know if you guys saw the the one that turned corners. That was the first time I'd actually seen that. And just so you know, outside of that, G.I. Joe followed up. But that was the first time that you'd ever seen a gun turn corners. Ah, it's not a fun fact that you. Yeah, it's just a real thing, too. It is a real thing. It's a real Israeli attachment to weapons. So let's let's start. We've talked about a couple scenes in this movie and talked about a couple uh, things we liked in there. What's your favorite scene? Oh, I just thought the best scene was the um, jumping through that when he when he puts his when the lady gets shot and they're shooting on the assassins are shooting from the building. The car scene was amazing. I thought that was a great and well shot scene. But um, I got to say that jumping out of that glass was so dope. And just running because it really showed that it wasn't just, and that's probably what was both awesome and also kind of taking some because is he the only one i guess the fact is is that you guys keep mentioning wesley's superpower slowing down time but this guy did the same thing this guy did the same darn thing slowed it down and ran like was turning dresses around and papers in the air well in the movie they do mention that some people have this ability they don't say it's just you and your father now mind you at that point in the movie we believe that man was Wesley's father. Yeah. And so we would think that has it. Now, in a comic book, he can do it because he's wearing Spider-Man's boots. That's awesome. Uh, You know, there's a lot of, like, standard action scenes. The ones that stand out to me are the ones that you don't see anywhere else. So, like, the, the, you mentioned the, the, the rat trainer guy or whatever. And you could tell they're foreshadowing something where he's like, yeah, look, if you feed them, you know, nitroglycerin or whatever, they explode. And you're like, oh, that's going to come back. And it does like a thousand fold. And it's the best scene in the whole movie, in my opinion. I loved it. It's totally ridiculous and over the top, but it, it was I've never seen anything like that before. So I did enjoy that. Um, also, I have to I, I know this isn't really a scene. You've mentioned the loom. Uh, I thought that the loom scene was cool. Where he's using it for training. That's all well and good. The actual loom that tells them who to kill is the dumbest plot point of any movie ever. Uh, I, I did not like it. I mean, the, 
<laughs> again, maybe it's because I was reading this trade. And so once you get past like the second page of the second cha- uh, the second comic, the movie tr- just diverges. And instead of being like, oh yeah, well we're this this you know group of, of uh, villains that are taking all the superheroes. We're doing... no. Instead, it was just like, well, we have this magical loom that gives us names. That's who we kill. It's fate. You're like, what? This is the stupidest thing ever. Now they do. That is part of the plot where someone's you know clearly tweaking that to their own game. But it still means at some point there was a magical loom that made names. And no one knows where they come from. No one knows who made the loom. None of that's given away. There's just a magical loom that weaves in names in binary, and it tells you who to kill. I, I at that point, I was just staring forward. I'm like, this could be. This is easily, if not the worst, definitely the dumbest movie that we will probably review in the in the entire time we do this podcast. This is the stupidest plot point. Ever. Oh my gosh! You just did a Billy Madison. I don't know if you know that. I, I don't. We're all dumber for having watched it. May God have mercy on your soul. Well, and it's not the dumbest part of the movie. That's the other thing. Is there's dumber parts of this movie. But I was like, at, at that point, I'm like, this is officially just ridiculous. Like, it was already ridiculous beforehand, but in a totally movie way. At this point, it was, it was like, did they write this on the back of a napkin? Like, we're not rewriting this. We're done. This is all we're doing. This is it. Okay. So I've got some tidbits for you guys. So there is an alternate opening to this movie. Uh, it's on the Blu-ray. I have watched it. Um, and essentially, are you familiar with Assassin's Creed? I am. Oh, good. So it essentially, instead of having that, that, uh, the text go across the screen to explain the backstory and the loom and all that sort of stuff and setting the movie up like a, like an action movie or a, a adventure movie. Instead, it actually shows the order during the medieval period where they're giving an assassin a thing, a name from the loom. And he must go assassinate the king. And he's like, but we love the king. And he goes and the king's on parade and decides to assassinate him because he can see the black death is on his face. And he decides to curve his arrow from his crossbow around the head of a small baby child to assassinate the king. And that's to set up how old this order is. And they've had this magical ability to curve weapons forever. I don't need that. But I would have liked to know that the loom is that old. That would make it feel at least slightly better. Than that in, in 1994, whenever this movie was supposed to take place, that there's all this magical loom that people are using to kill. I, I don't know. I was well, so annoyed and by that. The, the magical loom is located in New Jersey. I mean, so there, well, there, that, that alone just makes the rest of it all. And it's upstairs around a bunch of other looms that are not magical. They're just looms. <laughs> Another interesting thing for you, and I don't know how connected it is, but uh, are you familiar with the White Wolf um, role playing series? I unfortunately am. Good. So there's, as you know, there's a section called Mage, like one of the, yep. you had, they had like the Mage, yep. Werewolf, Vampire, all that sort of stuff. In the White Wolf series, Mage, there's an order called the Euthanatory, and they have a loom that s- spits out fate, and their priests, their mages have to go around culling people and killing them off to keep fate in line. And that came out in 1993. Wow. So I guess maybe the director of Giant Mage fan could be. Maybe the writer of the movie was like, you know what? I love playing mage and I want to see this in a movie. I only want to read the first issue of this comic and the mage source book and then write a book, right? Write a movie. Exactly. Well, and, and, and keep in mind, he is Russian Kazakhstan, so he might have actually used the loom growing up. We don't know if he didn't make his own clothes. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> once, one scene I do want to talk about is the train, the train chase scene. You know what I'm talking about? And I think it's in Europe somewhere. Yes. Where they drive the car and kind of push it into the train and everybody kind of blows it down. And he's on top of his dad. He's like, I killed my dad. How many people died in that accident? <laughs> Well, and that was supposed to be the purpose of the show. Like they can, the, the comic was supposed to be like, we can do whatever we want and cover it up. But they did end a lot of lives on that train, didn't they? 
they sure did. Interesting thing about that. The car Anna Gina Jolie was driving, same car from Harry Potter. Oh, now it all ties together. It it all comes together. It's You mean it all weaves together in the loom. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, did you know you just pulled a that was what we call a joke lawn grenade? Like you literally just dropped that down and then fused it for about five to ten minutes down the line. So that was phenomenal. It's called a callback. <laughs> Now, supposedly, there is actually an alternate ending to this movie. I looked as much as I could. I could not find it. But supposedly, there was a different ending to this thing. I've heard about that. It's when, after you get to the part where they show you the loom, you turn it off and you watch something else. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys feel about that wall break, that fourth wall break at the very, very end when he he turns the, 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 the camera and speaks directly to the audience? I think he was, I think Timmer um, read the last page of the last comic and was like, we can put that in. That's the one thing we can do. Yeah. That, I mean, it, I, it didn't bother me. At this point, I was, I, honestly, I was, I really did ruin my experience as a movie reading the trade. Again, not that I think the trade's missing ever. There are problems with that too. But like, this was so different. By the end of this movie, I was just happy that it was done. So it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> Yeah, this movie really did feel like Fight Club meets Harry Potter. I mean, it, it was all over the place. It really was. And I think you're right, Jeremy. And I know we'll get the reviews and our opinions about it later. But I think my mistake, too, was reading the trade not w- while watching this movie. Now, I, I had seen this movie in the past, so I knew what I was getting into. But reading the trade at the same time, yeah, it really messes with your head for this thing. Gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm quite impressed that you can both put your eyes on reading material and a movie at the same time. That's a multi multitasking sort of cinema. Yeah, it's an amazing thing that you guys are able to put together there for your multitasking abilities. Now, for example, in this case, I watched the beginning of the movie and I got to the part where, um, you know, he goes, you see his, his office for the first time or whatever, and, and he meets Angelina Jolie's character at the drugstore. And at that point, I stopped the movie. I paused it and I read the first part of the trade up to where he meets the fox. And I was like, okay, this is this is not far off. It's different, but it's it's a filmable version of what I just saw. Great. And then I watched the next like 15 minutes of the movie, and I read two pages of the trade, and I was like, what the hell is going on? None of this is in here. This is not at all what happened. And it just went from there. So that was my mistake. I think if I would have watched this whole movie from start to finish and then read the trade, I think I would have a better opinion on the movie. But instead, I kind of ruined both experiences. So I, I don't know if I'm going to like the trade either when I finish it. I'm near the end of it. I didn't finish it all yet because it was so different from this movie. I kind of I went through it quickly, but I didn't read it, read it. I flipped through it after like the first half because I was like, the rest of this isn't in here at all. This has nothing to do with anything, including they have the sa- they have a twist about his father because his father does die at the beginning, just like in this movie. Totally different twist. Just a, sh- a shockingly different branch of how this movie is compared to the source material. There, there's a lot of times where you can say, okay, they left these things out, but ultimately it's the same story start to finish. This is not – that the, the trade ends with him basically just like as this ultimate assassin. He's, he's now like – able to, to move on to something else where they'd bring him in as a character. And in this movie ends and it's kind of like, what the hell's he do now? I don't know what he's going to do with his life ever again. <laughs> we'll probably not go back to that same train. No, no, <laughs> not to the same job. He's not, I don't know what he's going to do. Did he get his money back? I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> well, he got to keep his dad's gun. I mean, that's that alone. That's a pretty damn decent gun. Those bullets were pretty fresh. 
he had millions of dollars in the bank to having like seventeen dollars, and then he kills a guy, and like it ends. You're like, well, th- did he get his money back? Otherwise, he's going to go back to his shitty job. But now he's really good with guns. Like, what is this going to help him? This has made his life worse. Well, totally. The, the source material, I think, is very like edge lord, very edgy for the sake of edgy. But what do you? How do you guys feel about the tone of this movie? Slightly dark, slightly light. I think it was a bit. That's part of the messiness of the movie i mean i think the guy you know timur as, as i said my background on this guy is watching the other two movies that i thought were brilliant um it's just a little bit edgy but it's still it's angelina jolie she's hot i like some of the scenes they, they're able to shoot those well um you know and again i think you know from that perspective it's pretty decent some of the characters eh, the fight scenes were good but it's not bad like a watered down john wick here's another version a little watered down john wick yeah, it's watered down version of a, of what I I would have expected from this. Not even not even based on the, the the trades, but how it starts and just the kind of movie it feels like it's going to be. It does feel a little watered down, except for that incredible rat scene. Everything else, though, not as good as what I expected. Yeah, I, that makes a good point. I mean, I love that rat scene. It's just it's over the top action. Um, but you're right. It's totally it shifts a lot. It's. I like that phrase you used, Fergal. Water down John Wick. Well, let me ask you a question, real quick. Was the, the, those with all those rats that had the little bombs on them? Were there their balls hanging out of the back? Because those rats had big balls. I don't know if you guys noticed that. There's a lot of big balled rats running around. I don't watch movies the same way you do. I did not notice. <laughs> Fergal, this is our tenth episode together, and I <laughs> have learned. You see things I don't see. You focus on things that I don't focus on, and. I love you for it, man, but that ain't me. That ain't me. Well, now I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again now just You're going to gonna come back to me. You're going to be like, those little rats have big-ass balls. And it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to show up in your face, and it's not going to go away. Because it's not like you were looking for it, but you're like, Either that's a, is that a, are they all pregnant? Or are they just all big balls on the back of the rats? See, I look for details like the fact that there are three people in this movie who went off to play characters in the MCU, like John McAvoy plays Professor X, Chris Pratt is Star-Lord, Angela Jolie is Athena from, the Mar- from Marvel, but for the Marvel, sorry. But I don't look at the anatomy of rats. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you guys have mentioned it enough, so I figured let's dive, let's deconstruct the rat scene. I, we've mentioned the rat scene, but not the anatomy of the rat themselves. Well, so. they, were, they were a big part of that. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not quite sure what we do from here. Well, given that the rats move fast, let's talk about the pacing. That's the only thing that moves fast. This movie is not paced well. The beginning is fine. Like again, up to the point where he meets Angelina Jolie, the fox, I guess, at at, a, at the drugstore, it's fine. But then, like the training goes on way too long. I think it needs to be there as long as it is to some levels because it is kind of showing how he's getting better at this. But then from there, I felt like the movie's just on a train, like a bullet train to the end, and then it just it. I don't know. There's too much going on that it doesn't make any sense after, you know, he, he gets in the, the organization and then it's just tons of stuff really, really fast. There's, you know, he's, he's got his mission, you know, he probably had more than the one, but who knows. And then from there he goes straight to, well, I'm going to find the guy who killed my father. And from there it just goes to, well, that's not really what's happening. And then the movie ends. Like it's, it's not paced very well at all. Agreed. Agreed. I think the training had to be there. Um, I, I think they probably put a lot of effort into that training piece. Um, and you could also kind of tell the arc of Wesley from going, I'm sorry to sorry. Like when he's flipping the car over and they're doing the whole Corvette and he's killing the guy in the limo. It's like, sorry. So it sort of takes him from, you know, a guy who doesn't really care about himself to a guy who's like, yeah, I'll shoot you upside down on a, on a Corvette on top of you just to make sure you're okay. Um, so it just, and then it, 
jumps and then it races to kill your dad and then it's not your dad and then it's you know it's this other guy who comes and says well your dad was actually trying to save everything and then it's like oh let me just get all my dad's stuff and and find a bunch of big bald rats yeah this is this is an action movie right this is not <laughs> shakespeare this is not the godfather but i think the movie does need some space for breathing i think that we could spend some more time with the characters um we've mentioned before how there's really only three characters in this whole movie, right? There's Wesley Fox and the, what was the professor? I think it was uh, whoever Morgan Freeman was playing. He was supposed to be playing the professor. Yeah. The only other notable person in that scene. Everyone else is, in fact, there's the final scene of where he confronts the professor, right? And all the assassins are in a big circle around the room, guns pointed at Wesley and the professor's like, if I had followed through with this, I would have had to kill you, Fox. I would have had to kill you, this guy. And at some point he goes, and you, and you, and you, and just says no names and just throws cards. And I'm like, that's how I feel about this movie right now is just, he's just, there's, there's nothing, right? There's nothing. <laughs> well, then Morgan Freeman redeems it and says, well, someone shoot this motherfucker and let's get back to the job of the fraternity. That was cool. That was cool. Completely side note here, uh, Morgan Freeman, I've been, trying to find a good place to put this in there. But did you know at the time he was filming this movie, he was also filming the dark Knight because they're being filmed in the same city at the same time. So he would go from one set to the next. And Mark Miller actually was a big Batman fan snuck into the set and got kicked out, which makes sense. Unrelated to the pacing, but just want to put that out there. For me, the themes of this movie is a standard chosen one movie, right? He's the chosen one. He's got to save the day confront his father, all that sort of stuff. I, I, there's nothing really too deep about this movie. See, the only reason I don't think it feels like a chosen one movie is, again, at the end of the movie, there's this sense of just emptiness. Like, there's nothing... Like, you know, a lot of times those chosen movies end, you know, like The Matrix, right? He's now, like, you know, kind of like the, the leading this group of freedom fighters, right? And, and whatever happens in the future, he's there. This, it's just like, yeah, he killed this guy, and now he's around. And that's it. Like, there's no, if there would have been more, like, history of the loom, maybe it would have been, like, and now he's going to go after this group historically. Or, or you know, hey, there's this other group that's been trying to, you know, to, to deal with these assassins. I'm going to go after them or something. But instead, it's just, like, I hated this one guy. Well, I took him out. The end. Like, okay, great. So, I, I don't know. It didn't feel like it, it. It had the chosen one theme at the start. I felt more. Like, that same kind of idea where he's got special skills no one else has because of just his, his abilities, right, from birth. Not that he has a special suit or that he was you know, trained for years as a ninja. Like, no, it's just, he has these special skills, so he's better at all these things. That's why they picked him. But then, it, and, and maybe it's because par, part of the story is they picked him not really because he had these special skills because they wanted to keep him, but because they knew he could take out the one guy they couldn't. And then they were going to get rid of him too or whatever, right? But instead, it just had this really kind of emptiness towards the end. That actually sounded like the exact plot of the movie. Uh, Jeremy, you just like literally summed that up in about a sentence. Well, then we wasted uh, the previous 20 minutes of this podcast. I could have just started <laughs> with that. Well, I, I mean, I, to your point, I think theme-wise, I mean, the movie could... It, it, I think it would have had a better shot if it wasn't called Wanted. I honestly think it would have probably gotten more play because I think um, just like Kick-Ass and just like Kingsman, Mark Miller, just like Frank Miller, has a following, has a cult. He has a guys that love his stories, that follow his stories and think he does great work. And I think, you know, I think this movie was done in because of the fact that he decided to name it and bought the rights on one comic book without fleshing out the story. And fun fact, most movies today 
post that point, especially if they're bought from source material, do not do that anymore. So you notice that, you know, at least we learned a lesson from that one. Um, so they, they tend to be like, let's, you know, like uh, 8 Million Genies is a newly optioned Amazon thing. Um, you know, they've got the 8 series out, so now you're going to get a great story that's actually based on the book. Um, but yeah, this movie just kind of falls under its own weight. It's a good movie, great big actors, which is, if you must, if I must make one unnecessary statement, is the most amazing thing about this movie. How does a first-time director get Morgan Freeman, Angelina Jolie, James McAvoy, and like a bunch of other common, common, I mean, how does he get these people to all show up in one movie? I do not know, but it's funny you say that. I think that's the only reason this movie did well is because it had the star power of Anna Jolie, who was having a, she was on a firestorm of great movies, uh, of action movies, and Morgan Freeman. I think the two of them is what sold this movie. This movie did very well in the, in the box office. You know, it cost them a hundred million to make it. It made three hundred and fifty million back on the uh, on it. So it's better than Shazam. It's, yeah, better than Shazam. <laughs> um, it's better than some other movies we reviewed. So I think it's the star power that she allowed this movie to get out there. But it is not like the source material. And at the same time, I don't know if that would have worked anyway. So I think we should just jump into it, guys. Can't, should people go out and look for this movie? No. 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 We'll do that together. Jeremy, I, I echo, echo you on that one. We'll do that together, my friend. If you happen upon it in a goodwill while you're searching for other bargains, yes. If it happens upon TBS on your Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, yes. But if it is something where you're like, let's go get this movie, no. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, this is this is a <laughs> no. The dollar bin, I think, is a good way to put it. So, if this movie were to happen to be, would you guys go out and rewatch this movie yourself? I mean, Jeremy, you bought the movie. You got to get your money's worth. I, I bought it for two dollars. I want by recording this podcast, I made my my money back tenfold. Uh, I will not watch this again. There is no reason to watch this again. Um, I will probably sneak it back into that same. Good <laughs> that I'd like to see a video of. <laughs> No, I, 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 I probably wouldn't watch this again. Like, I, I did watch it. I, I've watched it actually so many times. This is a reoccurring movie on TBS. Um, it flips through the 32, it's a Meyer, 235, 236. So TBS and TNT, this thing goes back and forth. So uh, Or even Sci-Fi Network. It, it shows up one of those stations at least once a month. For me, it depends. If, it, if I walked into a room and it was on and it was showing certain action scenes, I might watch those action scenes. They did a great job with some of those things, but... Would I sit there and commit another 90 minutes of my life to it? Probably not. This is the exact kind of movie that if you're flipping channels and you come to it and you don't know what it is, you're going to sit at it, you're going to stare at it, and we're going to watch it because you're not going to believe what's happening. And then after it's over, you're going to do any kind of research to see what this movie was to make sure you never watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) So we're definitely not going to give this one a thumbs up. (laughs) So, well, based on our rating system, who knows? Um, So... (laughs) Should there be a well, should there be a remake of this and or should they expand the universe? I'm gonna say that and I'm gonna be the lone voice of opposition to both of you two. I think this movie could be redone into a movie. I think the boys have their own lane. I think there are a lot of superhero villains, supervillain movies that have their own lane. Thunderbolts is now a thing, but even though the guy left from centuries, so there's a lot of there's a lot of villain movies, but I think this movie um, even if it's a five-part TV show, even if Netflix is like, let's just take this and do something with it, I think it's going to, you know, it has potential. Yeah, actually, uh, Ferg, you brought up a great point earlier. Now that everyone is kind of so oversaturated with superheroes, I think that the source material for this could be, even with a low budget and a kind of a tongue-in-cheek version, would still do okay. 
I do think this will be better um, if they redid this based closer on the source material, whether or not it's done in a serious fashion or not. Um, does this specific version of this story need to be remade? No, not at all. I personally believe that you, the, the, you're right, Jeremy, the current version of Wanted, just let it fall away and be forgotten about in a goodwill somewhere. For the current source material, I just think there's just too many problems with the source material for adaptation into a movie. I mean, you could use it, steal from it, borrow from it. But I mean, there is literally a character there called Shithead. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. He's made of so much shit. Made of 666 pieces of shit, to be exact, and one of which is Hitler's. <laughs> a little Ed Jane in there, I believe. So I think <laughs> that in itself, you could you could borrow elements from, but to go for a full-on, like, Watchmen sort of usage of it, I don't think that'd fly too well. So let's go to the ratings, guys, in the Fergal patent system. Um, how would you rate this movie? I'm going to rate this the Billy Madison thumbs down. Uh I watched the movie. It was good. Um, I'm dumber for it. And uh, God help us all. I'm also going to get it a thumbs down, but I will put two giant mouse balls on the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming. So just for the aggregated spreadsheet I'm putting together, do mouse balls make it go lower than a thumbs down or higher than a thumbs down? It, It goes higher than the regular thumbs down. Because again, that one scene, I'd highly recommend people finding on YouTube, or it's short enough, you could probably find it on a TikTok. Just find the mouse scene from uh, from Wanted, and you'll have the best time that you could possibly And because have. I've said mouse balls at least three times, you will not help but look at those mouse balls. I thought you meant they were going to get summoned like Beetlejuice. Okay. <laughs> and with that, I'll give it a thumbs down with no extra color around that one. <laughs> Why don't we jump into our mailbag? Oh, boy. <laughs> After what we just did, I'm sure people are still listening to hear about this mailbag. I hope they are. Um, for those who are for our listeners out there uh, on our website, uh, www.movie-smash.com, at the very, very bottom of the form, there's a form where you can put in any question, suggestion, movie recommendation to us, or just send us a random question. And we have one for today. Oh, this, Jeremy, this one will you know, hit you right in, the, right, right in the heart. So this message comes from Jeremy's grandmother. <laughs> Oh boy, this is going to be a dark one. This Actually, is a dark no, one. Jeremy, your your grandmother left us a message. That is absolutely phenomenal. She did from the other side. <laughs> no matter which grandmother we're talking about, it says your grandpa and I are, are used to used to love watching t- Tank Girl. <laughs> Please review that. And also, the audio quality has been notably improved. We're so proud of you. Oh, well, that's good. So that's all Chris. The audio quality is all Chris. He's done a great job finding this new program we're recording on, and, and I've given editing over to Chris. He's done a much better job than I do, so I'm glad that it uh, that other people are appreciating it. I 100% do. Um, and my parents, my grandparents did like Tank Girl, so I will keep that under Your grandparents liked Tank Girl? My grandparents had no idea what Tank Girl was. They were corn farmers. <laughs> they didn't know anything about Tank Girl. <laughs> that's just phenomenal. Well, to Jeremy's grandparents, thank you for something amazing feedback that's all i can say so um with that guys uh what are you guys working on right now or what are you currently reading just well needed time off is kind of what i'm doing just trying to get a well needed little bit of time off and i'm actually reading hellboy versus batman and jeremy uh 
Uh, you know, I, I'm always recording uh, more episodes of Retrovaniacs. We have a ton of listener requests to go through. Uh, we're hitting a bunch on the N64. So if you're an N64 fan, check out Retrovaniacs, available anywhere you get your podcast. And I am working on, uh, not really working on a couple things. First off, for those who follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you probably have noticed me put some clips up there, some of the, uh, the show with some scenes that we're talking about. There's also a YouTube channel for it as well. I recommend go take a look at that. Go take a peek. Actually, I do want to ask you guys one thing. You know me, I'm a big data guy. I got to say, YouTube gives us a ton of data, right, about sort of how people found us, why they, why they found us. And I just want to ask you guys, what do you think the number one search term was that people found us with? Uh, um, I'm hoping dicks. it's blue cock based on our, yeah, I was going to say based on uh, we, the we, same guess. I was saying blue dick, <laughs> large blue dick. That was exactly I was literally, I don't know what happened there, but we were simpatico. I mean, I, we may have just became brothers at that point. I don't know what just Okay, happened. so here are the top five search word terms. I kid you not that people use to find us. First off, cauliflower rice. Okay, that makes sense. We talk about that a lot. Henry Rollins. Sure, sure. Reacher. Ah, yeah, I can understand because I do look like Reacher. Aaron Donald. Don't know who that is, but he clearly big fan. And last one, AMV. Just the letters AMV. AMV. Now I'm just going to have to figure out if there's an anagram in that. I think it means anime music video, according to my son. So Better than what I was going to guess, so we'll go with that. It was probably going to end in Big Blue Cock somehow. We were going to find the words for AMV to make a Big Blue Cock. I am always impressed by how you guys can insert that in <laughs> anywhere. And that's it for the show. This was a good time. Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review, share with your friends, and it if you want us to drop us a note, tell us how we are wrong or give us a movie suggestion. Just visit us at movie-smash.com and thank you for listening. please give us a review and share with your friends if you want to drop us a note tell us where we were wrong or give us a movie suggestion visit us at movie-smash.com